Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus had just crossed the Sea of Galilee and headed up the side of a mountain. From the sea to a mountain, from water to wilderness, a crowd was following Jesus. Just like the crowd that was following Moses from water, crossing the Red Sea to the Sinai wilderness and then to Mount Sinai. But there is at least one major difference. On Moses' mountain, only a select few were welcome, a total of 74 in all. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and a select 70 representatives of Israel. On Jesus' mountain, anyone is welcome. A great crowd of over 5,000 men, not including women and children, were there. Most of this crowd, though, they, they came for the wrong reasons. They didn't come to hear Jesus preach and teach the gospel. No, they came because of Jesus' miracles of healing the sick. Now we know Jesus' miracles always drew a crowd of the curious, the desperate, or the sick. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't turn them away. He is the good shepherd. Now John tells us in our passage that the Jewish feast of Passover, also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, was just around the corner. The Passover, a significant event in the book of Exodus, instituted by God for the liberation of the Israelites from the slavery in Egypt. The Exodus. Now God instructed Moses to tell the Israelites to mark their doorposts with the blood of a sacrificed lamb so that the angel of death would pass over their homes and spare their firstborn sons from the final plague that God would inflict upon the Egyptians. Now after the blood of the lamb was painted on the doorposts, the Israelites, they were to eat the flesh of the lamb, which was roasted in the fire, along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The Exodus then is commemorated each year during the Passover or the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And in Exodus 13, God commanded the Israelites to recount the story to their children year after year and to eat unleavened bread. Now, in our text this morning, the Passover was near, but here, here on this mountain, the bread of life sits down with his disciples. And raising his eyes and seeing this large crowd coming to him, Jesus says to Philip, 
Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Here, Jesus, he initiates the action. He asks Philip where to buy bread. But Jesus, he will answer the question himself by showing that he is the bread of God who comes down from heaven. Similar to God's provision of manna during the Israelites' wilderness wanderings, as recounted in our Old Testament lesson this morning. But we are also told that Jesus asked Philip this question to test him. Now recall the disciples have seen Jesus make 180 gallons of water into wine. They have seen him heal the blind, the lame, the demon-possessed, with nothing more than a word from his mouth. In addition, the disciples knew the Old Testament narrative of manna. In Exodus 16:4, the Lord tells Moses, Behold, I am raining down for you bread from heaven, so that I may test whether the people will walk in my law or not. So Jesus knew what he was doing here with these 5,000 plus people because Jesus, you see, Jesus was acting according to Old Testament example. Just as God, as God has provided Israel with food in the wilderness so that they would not die, so now Jesus will provide the crowds with the food necessary for their sustenance. But ultimately, providing the Last Supper as sustenance for eternal life. But here, Philip, Philip does not understand. Philip, you see, Philip thinks in terms of money. He sees the problem economically. They just don't have enough money. Philip says to Jesus, you'd have to work over eight months to feed this crowd, and even then, they'd barely get more than a bite. So Philip, he sees the problem as a problem with numbers, money, and resources. He knows how much this bread will cost, and he knows that there's no such thing as a free lunch. But then we see Andrew. Andrew Andrew's a man of action, but also with skepticism. He finds this little boy carrying five loaves of bread and two fish, and he says, this is all we got. Five loaves of bread and two fish. It's not enough. In our sinful flesh, we oftentimes see the way that Phillips and Andrew do, right? We might have even told the crowd to leave. Go to town before it gets too dark. Go find a place for dinner. But, you see, this is Jesus' mountain. And on his mountain, no one who is hungry is ever turned away. He is the Lord, the creator and redeemer of all. And this, this is how he works. 
Jesus commands his disciples to have the people sit down. It is though Jesus were inviting guests to recline at his table. And John even adds this. John tells us that there was much green grass in that place. The good shepherd makes his sheep lie down in green pasture. This is an allusion to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Here, on this mountain, Jesus, the shepherd, prepares a table for the people, and there will be a feast. 5,000 men sat down in that green pasture along with the women and children. And of course, the crowd could have been easily twice the size of 5,000 people. And Jesus, he takes five little loaves of bread and two small fish into his hands. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them who were seated there. Sound familiar? Of course it does. Your ears are tuned to hear it. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. Here on this mountain, Jesus takes a little boy's meager lunch and turns it into a feast for 5,000 plus people. Jesus takes these humble means, five loaves and two fish, and multiplies them far before they could ever accomplish. You see, when Jesus takes this bread into his hands, give thanks and distributes it, big things happen. The bread, the bread here on this mountain, no one works for. It is free. It is free, gracious bread. Bread without sweat. Fish without fishing. Here, all this 5,000 plus crowd had to do was sit there on this nice, cool, green grass. This was free bread. And a perfect Israelite 12 baskets of leftover fragments of broken bread were gathered. They all ate with God in the flesh on his mountain, and their baskets were filled to overflowing abundance of his grace. So much so that these fragments of bread had to be gathered into these 12 baskets. As the fragments of the abundant bread were gathered, so we too are gathered into Christ. And we are gathered into Christ by his death to partake of that which is given and proffered by Christ and his death is at the same time to be gathered into the body of Christ and there to participate in the blessings which Christ gives and is. 
Jesus is the bread of life, bread that you may eat and live forever. He is the living bread come down from heaven. He is manna in our wilderness, bread to fill the sin-starved heart, hungry for forgiveness. And like the 5,000 plus, all you can do is rest in the rich green pastures of the church and be fed with bread that you did not earn. A bread that you cannot buy. A bread that you cannot make for yourself. This food is pure gift from Jesus to you and a foretaste of the new heaven and the new earth where our laboring for our daily bread will come to an end. Take this bread and eat it. It is the body of Christ given for you. Take this cup and drink it. It is the blood of Christ, the blood of the New Testament shed for you. This is the Lord's mountain, his supper, and you are his guest. Jesus prepares and gives it himself. As Martin Luther writes, Jesus is the cook the server, food, and drink. And you, you are overfillingly filled with his death that brings you life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.